episode was written by Chuck Minville and Len Jansen, a duo who actually together would write another episode of TAS later on, which we'll cover then. I'm just noticing a trend. So far, the most episodes any of the writers for TAS has covered has been two. That's it. We haven't actually run into a standard writing person at all. Although every episode's been directed by the same person. That's why I haven't even been bringing that up. It's like, yeah, this one's directed by Sutherland, and so is this one, and this one. This episode is probably one of the best early uh, examples of just the mistakes in the animation. Now, don't mistake me. The animation's been bad since the beginning. I've already kind of shredded that earlier. Even though I understand it, it still sucks. But it is worth noting that actual mistakes are a little bit more amusing, uh, one of the most, uh, a slightly more subtle one is the fact that it cuts to Scotty and then it cuts to a, uh, a stock, because they keep doing reused footage, right? Which makes sense. So it'll cut to a stock shot of someone doing the transporter beaming, but that's actually Kyle, not Scotty. And then it cuts back to Scotty, and I just like to think that they're just playing music to chairs. There's another one which shows up later, which is even funnier. I'll put it out when we get there. But they're back to shore leave. You know, the idea of a holodeck world is actually fascinating in its own right. Uh, rather than having a holodeck just on the ship, or indeed multiple holodecks on the ship, having you know a, a shore-leaf planet which functions as a holodeck is an interesting concept, and I don't know, would be more interesting to me than Ryza. <laughs> but that brings me to my next thing. Why are they all in uniform when down on vacation? I know the answer. It's because of the fact that, you know, it would, it would, it's the animation problem. You know, they would have to draw completely new renders of them in different outfits and then do each frame of them. And it's much easier to just have them be in uniform. Doesn't explain why they did that back in TOS, but at the same time, they didn't really know it was a shore leave back in TOS, even though they were there for shore leave. So, you know, whatever. <clears throat> now, if you've paid attention to this show, and I hope you have, because that means you like what I'm doing, and I'm doing at least something right in my terrible life. You may have noticed that I've complained about Ryza a lot. That's because, in my opinion, all three Ryza episodes kind of suck. Two Days and Two Nights was probably the best of the bunch, which is sad in its own right. But I think, actually sitting back and examining that, I think I have an answer as to why. Hear me out for a second. So we have the Ryza episode of TNG, which was an action episode. It was a threat episode. Then we have the Ryza episode of DS9, which was, well, terrible in my opinion. Several people disagreed with me on that, which is fine. Uh, we actually got some really cool comments on that episode. But the relevant point is it was an episode that was also a threat episode, kind of. It wasn't really a severe threat. It was more like dealing with the... The New Age, whatever onists they call themselves. I actually can't remember. Forgive me. So, okay. But it, the relevant point is they felt like they needed to bring something in. They couldn't just do a vacation episode. Because it's just boring to watch vacation, right? Well, that brings us to the Enterprise one, which was actually quite content to be just a vacation episode. And worked surprisingly well. Huh. 
This is something that I've slowly come to understand and appreciate more and more as I've been analyzing far more, for lack of a better way to put it, mundane fiction. Let me let me try to address this in a different angle. One of the things that I've been aggravated by since I was a child is the concept of the threat of the weak. The threat of the weak, by virtue being something that is somehow da- damaging and terrifying despite only showing up once, and is almost always done badly. It is certainly a problem endemic to Star Trek, but not exclusive to it. I've seen this in plenty of fiction as well. But the reason the threat of the weak exists is because there is this flawed and, in my opinion, incorrect mentality behind the people who make these sort of decisions that there has to be some kind of threat. Otherwise, what's the point of the episode? You need something to keep the people there, right? Now, while there are certainly exceptions, that is why the threat of the weak exists. We need to, oh my gosh, they need to overcome and defeat. And frankly, having studied uh, the TOS era stuff, I think a lot of this attitude is because of the outdated idea of what television was back in the 60s and something that has just sort of remained a prevailing concept in the upper executives and the studio heads for the 40 years since then up until people finally started realizing that you can do fiction that's just kind of day of life or doesn't involve something that's a big major issue, and it can still work out. One of the things that I've grown to appreciate about some other shows I've covered and some other works I've covered is the idea of the fact that maybe someone who really wants to get into a school that they're applying to might be a significant... key point, I don't know what to call that, plot point for a specific episode. Now, I know not everyone's going to agree with that, and that's fine, but I do agree with that very firmly. I have seen fiction turn something that is relatively mundane and low-tier t- low and low-key and made a full episode about, oh my gosh, am I going to get into this school? That I'm just making up an example, but you, you know what I'm talking about. The idea, no, not every episode needs to be like that. That, that would kind of drift more into slice-of-life shows. And Star Trek is obviously not a slice-of-life show. But my point is, you can take an episode about something as banal as let's go on vacation and do stuff with it. You can have um, the idea of personal personal relevance. Maybe there's something there that they're trying to overcome. Maybe there's some uh, tragedy that they're still trying to move past. Maybe they, you know, like like the Scotty episode with Jack the Ripper back in TOS. You know, maybe they could have just focused on Scotty for that episode, eject the Jack the Ripper thing entirely, much as I hate to eject. Um, oh, God, what's his name? Um, Piglet. Piglet the Ripper. <laughs> that took me a second. Much as I hate to eject Piglet the Ripper, you could have restructured that episode to focus entirely on Scotty and how he's moving along with them and interacting with them and his behaviors and attitudes are a little bit too celebratory and a little bit too nice because he's comp- compensating a little bit too hard and he doesn't want to admit just how badly this is affecting him. And obviously he can't t- talk about this to most of his crew because to most of the people under him, he's the boss. He can't show that kind of thing. And to the most people over him, well, they've got other concerns and details and he has no one he can really connect with. And maybe he meets someone on the planet who'll be the guest star of the week who he can then connect with and just be open and honest about it and really get all the things that have been on his brain off his thing. And my point is that you can do that kind of a thing with a vacation episode. And that's just one idea. I wrote down a couple other ones. You could have a comedy tidbit, try to go with a more lighthearted tone. You could have um, more character moments, maybe have it be a time for people to reflect on things they've already been through. 
maybe do something like, say, position the TNG Riza episode after the Inner Light episode, so that during the episode everyone's like, "Do you want to come take a vacation?" and Picard is like, "No, I've got I've got work to do. I've got I've got so much to do." And over the course of the episode, as he's as we find out that in Okay, if I was doing this, you know, note to self for the Trek Rero project. If I was doing this, I'd probably have him working his ass off ever since Inner Light. And this is just it coming to a head. Like, it's been a background element. And now, during the episode, someone's finally like, Captain, what are you doing? And Picard admits in private, now that most of his crew is down on the vacation planet, that he just, I, I can't just sit and read. I can't just relax. I know what it feels like now to lose time, to to run out of time, to to want to make the most of today, which was the whole point of inner light, right? And so now he's just, I don't know, I don't know how to process that. I don't know how to cope with that. And they're like, well, you, you might be pushing yourself too hard. And like, I know, but what else can I do? You know, I, I've I only have so many years left. I'm not going to live to be in another Star Trek show. Anyways, just food for thought. I hope you've enjoyed those thoughts because that's about all I got. That's about half my notes on the episode. Uhura is so stupid here. This is this episode is actually legitimately uh, dismissive of Uhura because I want you to picture this, okay? You're on a shore leaf planet. Now, you know this place can be dangerous. You know that from previous experience. But as long as you're careful, everything's okay, right? It's like driving, right? So in the middle of this situation, suddenly you hear someone be like, oh my god, quick, emergency beam out, emergency beam out, emergency evacuation. What do you do? You're like, huh. Huh. Pull out your communicator. Transporter room. Not the person calling for the emergency, but you call the transporter room. Can I get an info on what's happening here? Everyone in TS is just so flippin' casual when, when they're in terrifying, horrible circumstances. Is that just a thing? And, and Nichelle Nichols is usually one of the better actresses on this show. Then again, in this episode, Majel Barrett starts purring when she's voicing as Mress, which really, really sounds off. I don't even know how to describe it. It's, it's just strange. It also kind of hurts the tempo, because in several things, it's like, I, have an, I need this information right now. What's going on? <laughs> Well, Captain, it's it's like no, but uh, anyways. So the AI, there's an AI that doesn't understand people. I wonder if it'll try to kiss Kirk as well. There's a scene I've talked about the voice acting problems. This is yet another episode which only has the seven crew members as cast. Most of them are that way. At this point, it's the exception when they bring in a guest star. Like, they brought in someone to play Asmodeus back in the Magus, or the Mages of Magus 2, or whatever it was called. The Magics. Magic of Magus 2. But here, every, it's it's still the same seven. And I like James Doohan, but he only has so much range. So what happens is we see a scene where the computer is like, blah, 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 blah. And then it cuts immediately to Kirk talking to Mr. Eric's. And he says, blah, 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 And it's the same type of voice he uses. In fact, I actually legitimately thought that the computer was tricking them by pretending to be Mr. Eric's and talking through the comm. It took me a good minute to really process and be like, oh, no, that's just the voice acting problem, isn't it? And that's one of the problems with the voice acting problem. We all make fun of Oblivion, but in scenes like this, it can actually cause issues where you're not sure what the episode is trying to showcase. It's actually the bug problem is what this is. Let me explain what I mean by that. If you play a game that's very buggy, cyberpunk, excuse me, and something happens, the question has to immediately be posed. 
Is that on purpose? Now, in a, that's especially relevant in a game like Cyberpunk or, say, a fantasy game, because weird stuff can happen in those games. You know, outlandish, unusual things can occur. And that could be part of the narrative. That could be part of the gameplay. That could be part of the level. You may be supposed to pay attention to that thing. But in a very buggy game, the immediate question is not, oh my gosh, what is that? It's more, is that a bug or is that on purpose? Then you have to kind of look at it and examine it and spend, you know, the years and years of experience of playing video games to be like, okay, yeah, it's this. Or you can just dismiss it and not even bother. But you see the problem? It's the same general concept. You don't know if something's on purpose or not, and so you don't really know what to make of it. And TAS has that in spades. Let me use another example since I'm here talking about it. I was going to mention this later because this is towards the end of the episode, but there's this bit where it cuts the Enterprise, and I don't remember his name, Rex or whatever, and Sulu are at the con. And they're like, sir, we seem to have figured out. Oh, okay, sure. And then it immediately cuts to Sulu on the planet being attacked by the dragon. Now, we know that this planet can make robots based on people. And we know that they look lifelike. They've commented on this both in the original episode, Shore Leave, and in this one. So if that was done on purpose, that could imply stuff, couldn't it? That could imply that one of those Sulus, Sulus is a robot duplicate and may be there for nefarious purpose or may just be something that they need to keep aware of with regards to their thoughts. But no, it's an animation glitch because reused stock footage. You see the problem? Anyways, this is also one of the reasons why I have trouble analyzing this show because it is so low budget that most of the kind of things that I pay attention to like background elements or voice acting or presentation or chemistry or all the all the things that are all part of the massive umbrella of the presentation of the show don't really apply here. Plus, it's like 22 minutes an episode. So anyways, I've talked on enough that we have the screeching. The exact same screeching is back. Uh, sure. I like how the planet just kind of cheats. You notice that? It just kind of does stuff. It do, you can't do everything, but it can do most things. I'm pretty sure no one actually put any thought into it. It was just, yeah, no. Uh, that that would allow the, the heroes to win, so that doesn't work. Oh, that would allow the heroes to win, so that doesn't work. It's like a really unimaginative GM playing D&D under, you know. And you say, okay, I'm going to try using this spell to interact. Oh, no, that doesn't work. Okay, well, I've got this in my inventory, so I'm going to try to get this rope at it. Oh, no, no, that doesn't work. Okay, so I'm going to roll a charisma check against... Oh, no, no, that doesn't work. That's exactly how it feels, and it is not good. I, I don't care for this episode if it's not obvious. Now I need to finish talking before the sneeze hits me, because I can feel a sneeze coming. I do like how the manual overload actually works for once. Holy crap. It's astonishing. Then we have action. And then Uhura, who twice before now, has requested information on what the hell is going on and has been completely ignored. I, I, I'm i sorry, I'm hashing this point because the episode is not kind to Uhura, right? Like earlier, she's an idiot. Well, now, twice she's ignored and then Kirk shows up and immediately the machine's like, oh, let me explain my whole plan to you. What? Why didn't you just tell Uhura? Oh, he's too busy. Uh-huh. Now, I'm not implying anything here. Because I don't think there's any racism or sexism involved. I think they just... This, this is bad writing. I think they didn't want the plot to be given away too early. So Uhura was prevented from getting answers because that would mean the audience would get answers earlier. I think it would be the same no matter who's there. Still bad writing. 
still not good. Turns out that it's a it's a machine thing. And how the hell does the Enterprise have the mechanized arms and the manufacturing capacity to just, independent of personal involvement, build a computer on board itself? Like that's a thing. You realize that, right? Like that 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 it, that takes a lot of work and infrastructure and machines and parts and stuff that doesn't exist. <sighs> then they decide to talk down a computer. Cool. Um, machine. The machine does have a line which I found actually kind of amusing. Machines are superior to people, therefore machines must rule the galaxy. It's logical. Do you, do you hear that? Oh, that's the sound of the Reapers calling the, the humanity. Anyways, <clears throat> I got nothing. I do have one last thing. I like the idea posited by the end of the episode. So, holodeck planet, right? Ryza. What do they get out of the deal? Now, we've established that there is a currency thing and yada, yada, yada. But no, I mean, like, what do they actually get out of the deal rather than just charging for money? What if what they get is the exchange of ideas and cultures? What if people bring recipes and artwork and music and movies and video games and uh, written stories and, and television shows? What if people show up and share and talk in societal stuff like cult, uh, cultural celebrations or festivals or uh, hallmarks of how they track their history? And that is the intake. That is the benefit that the, the resort planet gets. They get this wealth of artistic and creative influx. And they get to enjoy and, and, and savor and pick and choose amongst that, all that massive variety. And in exchange, they provide the relationship planet, or the relaxation planet, excuse me. I guess it is the relationship planet in most of Star Trek. But you get my point, right? They, they give across, they give away the holodeck thing in exchange for this intake. That sounds like a hell of a deal to both sides to me. And is the kind of thing I could see exposed, or, I apparently can't talk today. Expounded upon. Expounded upon and explained in further words, like this, this could form a whole sub arc or background arc, and I think there's just some cool concepts there, which naturally will never be done unless Ryza has shown up on, or the Shoreleaf Planet has shown up on any of the new Trek stuff. I wouldn't know because again, haven't watched it. <sighs> I do hope you all have enjoyed my thoughts, such as they are. And in exchange for that, all I require from you is for you to come and bring all of your concepts and ideas.